Welcome to Cheap Podcast Episode 80. This is the unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling. I am your host, Dave, Don't Treat Me Like a Woman, Rudden. I've got some guests with me. Brett Bullet Blub Blulston. <laughs> uh, Henry, Don't Treat Me Like a Man, uh, Gilbert. Diamond Dog, Chris Antista. Ah, Steeler. So, yeah, um, since the last episode, the tragic news of China passing away... A lot of away stuff happened. A lot of stuff happened. happened. Uh, and I th- that, we're going to lead off with that because I could think of what better way to honor China than <laughs> with Cheap Hopcast's uh, biggest tradition. <laughs> uh, now, and, for the second time. Yes, for the second KV of history, we're going to focus on the career of China. Now, let me... let me The character th- China, not Joni Laura. Yes. Uh, let, me, yeah, let me put this out there right away. The KFAP history is about their wrestling, ex- people's wrestling exploits. So, you know, we won't go into her final days, you know, doing porn and uh, reality mean, shows. Those aren't, those aren't. Her last 10 years, maybe yes. not even that. Yeah, it'd be like doing a history in Spider-Man and going into Tobey Maguire's drinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, is that happening too? This episode of KFAP history is focused on the dearly departed China. Uh, China, Joan, a.k.a. Joan Lohrer, uh, she began her wrestling career in 1995, training with Killer Kowalski. You can tell wrestlers old when they have Killer in their name, by the way. Uh, yeah, she didn't really wrestle on the independents all that much, because in 1996, she met Shawn Michaels and Triple H at a wrestling show and was signed to, to WWE later that year. She made her debut She made her debut early in 1997, February 1997, at In Your House 13, attacking Goldust's manager Marlena. Some great uh, visuals of that feud with uh, Triple H and Goldust, where China literally just throws around Marlena like a ragdoll. It's really, really good. Yeah, I know uh, Triple H joked about, well, not joked about, but how he thought it would be a great thing. Like, they kept wanting to give him a heater, which yeah. means the large guy who beats, who is the enforcer mm-hmm. for you. Diesel is a classic heater for yeah. Shawn Michaels. And so then he said, fine, I'll have a heater who's a woman. And they're, they're like, what? He's like, I'll be a great bad guy if I'm having a woman fight for yeah. me, especially one as legit looking as China. Yeah, and this was actually his third quote-unquote heater. He had Mr. Perfect for a bit. Then he yeah. had Mr. Hughes, who was just this Ugh. tall black dude with glasses that wore that a suit. And, uh, yeah, he was gone in a heartbeat. But then, uh, yeah, Mar- uh, China stuck with Triple H uh, throughout 1997. She would interfere in his matches, usually using the low blow to incapacitate his opponents. That low blow was like it was the four. It was like the crook of the elbow would yeah. hit the taint. It was like such a crazy. She low was the blow. best at it. Yeah, uh, but then and at the near the end of 1997, Triple H joined Degeneration X or formed Degeneration X rather with Shawn Michaels and China joined along with him. She was always the kind of silent partner that would uh, they would bounce jokes off of. Like there was that there was one promo where they couldn't stop looking at her breasts because she had just gotten she just breast had surgery. breast surgery, yeah. Because that was uh, she went through a lot of physical transformations yeah. because she came in with a very big, like a very pronounced she jaw. She had a very pronounced jaw, and you know, like most bodybuilders, you lose yeah. fat, and that fat includes if you're a woman, your boobs yeah. at times. So she had got to those. She got those augmented, not the last augmentation for China. But yeah, for, for much of 1997 and 1998, she was kind of still behind the scenes. Like, she would interfere in matches, but not take part in them. Barely uh, talked, too. Yes, or her, never her first official match was in August of 1998, where she teamed with uh, DX to take on uh, the combination of the Legion of Doom and uh, DOA, a biker gang. Uh, but uh, yeah, she started to really ramp up the wrestling at the end of the year. So late 1998... Early 1999, uh, Sexual Chocolate Mark Henry from the uh, the opposing faction, the Nation of Domination, a yeah. black militant faction, 
uh, he started to, to, to try to woo her. Mm-hmm. It was a real Romeo and Juliet sort of situation where the, they were feuding, but, you know, Mark Henry was in love. Uh, but that <laughs> this led to China introducing Mark Henry to her friend Sammy, uh. and Sammy uh, performed sexual acts on Mark Henry, only for Mark Henry to later learn that Sammy was a transvestite. Gay panic! And, yes. Uh, a, a classic line in Mark Henry saying, is that a penis? Yep. Penis? Uh, yeah, around that time, China won a DX versus Corporation Royal Rumble to get the number 30 spot in the 1999 Royal Rumble, where she was the first ever female competitor. She almost decapitated Vince McMahon to win that. Yeah. She, when she throws him out, it was Vince's fault, they say, but yeah. when she throws him out, his head, you know, it's mm-hmm. over the top rope, but his head goes under the bottom rope, Ugh. and so then his legs land on the ground and his head just bounces off Yikes. the bottom rope. And if he didn't have a thick-ass neck, that probably it could have killed him or yeah. crippled him him like it, it was crazy and yeah her first elimination in yeah uh, was mark or, Hen- was mark henry i guess her only elimination yeah, yeah was yeah completing that sad trilogy uh but yeah so the night after the royal rumble china be- betrayed dx and joined the corporation uh <sighs> yeah, for, for a brief period yeah she was facing against triple h but then at wrestlemania china uh, betrayed fellow corporation member kane to reunite with triple h but later in the night triple h and China turned on the rest of DX, which meant that they were still with the corporation, but they just had recruited Triple H. But it was a nice little instance of storytelling throughout the night in a wrestling mm-hmm. show, which doesn't happen all that much. I love that kind of double turn, and yeah. do it at WrestleMania as well. It's yeah. great, yeah. So in 1999, she had a few firsts, a few big firsts. Mm-hmm. Uh, in summer 99, she qualified for the King of the Ring, where she lost to one of her former DX partners, Road Dog. Uh, and then right before SummerSlam, China was very briefly the number one contender for the WWE Championship. She That's was going right. to be in the main event of SummerSlam, but then she lost the right to be in the match to uh, Mick Foley, aka Mankind, yeah. at the time. That's when Jesse. That was the one Jesse Ventura yeah. did. I. By the way, his moment, like, Mankind had so many great moments with China. He took a ball hit from her better than anybody. <laughs> and also, like, her slamming his head mm-hmm. with a cage door on that cage match was great, even though now you look at, like, well, there's concussion number yeah. 80 for Mick Foley. I have to believe that they had they had thoughts at that time of actually putting her in a main event WWE title match. But, yeah, yeah they didn't pull the trigger then. Uh, but, you know, she still had a, a pretty good year because at the end of 1999, she had her most high-profile matches, to, and probably in her entire career, against the Intercontinental Champion, uh, Jeff Jarrett. He was on something of a gimmick where he hated women. Like, he had <laughs> he had two female managers, and he hated them both and would berate them. Popular uh, gimmick in that organization. Deborah and Miss Kitty, he would, he would berate them, and China stuck up for them and challenged him for the Intercontinental Championship. She beat him at No Mercy in October of 1999 for that title. Famously, that's also an event that took place right after Jeff Jarrett's contract had expired. But he, and he kind of held up the WWE for more money just to do that one match. Yep, they're like you can't, you have to do it. Like I'll put China over, but you got to pay me, or yeah. you just not have the match and just strip me of the title. But you've promised this match for a month. This is your big moment of China wins the IC Championship. Yeah. So in addition to winning the title, um, Miss Kitty, who was one of Jeff Jarrett's underlings, mm. became China's valet. And would dress in basically the same out- outfit she would wear, a black wig, so she had the same hair as China. It was a weird, le- it had minor lesbian yeah. vibes to it, I'd say, but I, it didn't last long, did Yeah, it? but I think it was also kind of, they probably did that so they could make mini-me jokes. So this was the summer of 1999 uh, of when uh, Austin Powers was hot. <laughs> uh, China then moved on to feud with uh, Y2J, Chris Jericho. Uh, she beat him at Survivor Series of 1999. Then he beat her at the next pay-per-view to become Intercontinental Champion. And then by the end of the year on uh, SmackDown, I believe, 
they both pinned each other and became co-intercontinental champions. That's very strange. And uh, that was resolved at uh, the Royal Rumble where they both defended the title against Hardcore Holly and Chris Jericho won the match and therefore became the single intercontinental mm. champion. Yeah, I remember they, they, they've they been hearing stories coming out lately that there were guys, many guys in the locker room who did not want to wrestle her and thought it was a joke mm-hmm. that she would be the intercontinental champion, even though, like, she is as big as any of those dudes. Like, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Jericho and China were briefly a tag team, but then she moved on to a new storyline with Eddie Guerrero, uh, who Latino at this point heat. he was playing Latino Heat, was kind of a womanizer gimmick, mm-hmm. uh, and he would always call uh, China Mama Sita. Uh, Eddie Guerrero and China teamed together at SummerSlam in a tag match against Trish Stratus and the Intercontinental Champion Val Venus, where whoever got the pinfall or submission in that match would win the title. So China won her second Intercontinental Championship there. I forgot that even happened. I totally forgot that. But then she lost to Eddie Guerrero in a triple threat match eight days Mm -hmm. later. Ah. Yeah. It's probably why I forgot that it's a dark time for I felt bad for Eddie then I, th- I liked it now like seeing them seeing pictures of them together from that time in the last week made me go like oh yeah it was also a nice thing because it really acknowledged like yeah China is kind of hot so yeah. let's stop make let's stop making like is she a man jokes and like look she's pretty like yeah. let's celebrate that as a matter of fact in the fall of 2000 China posed for Playboy Ooh. which put her at odds uh, to with the right to censor faction which was a it was a parody of group of like uh, parents groups that the parent pers- television council yes PTC so they parody them with the RTC, RTC. Uh, but yeah they were a parody of groups that rallied against the WWE's mature content uh, and in a match for the women's title against uh, RTC member Ivory they, she suffered a neck injury that kept her out for a few months but she returned at Wrestlemania and won a dominant match against Ivory she only had one defense of that women's championship against Lita, but then she left the WWE shortly thereafter around the end of 2001. I loved her WrestleMania entrance with her. Like, it was the most awesome her uh, fireworks gun had yeah. ever looked. I love that. But, yeah, I think she didn't want to be women's champion. She's like, this was this is a downgrade for it me. Is, Even yeah. if I'm the Goldberg or Brock Lesnar of the women's division, like, I still don't want to be. Like, yeah. I want to compete with the men. Yeah. Uh, so after leaving WWE in 2002, she went to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, she fought against Masahiro Chono in a singles match and was in a tag match against uh, Kenzo Suzuki and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Wow. Yeah. So that, the current, yeah. the two guys who are still at it, man, yeah. and yeah, that that's that's crazy too. With that, she had like been at the Tokyo Dome. She was in the Tokyo Dome yeah. show. Then there was a nine-year break in her wrestling career. Like mm-hmm. she did reality shows and other things, mm-hmm. and uh, but she then went to TNA in 2011 wow. uh, to be Kurt Angle's partner in a tag match against Jeff Jarrett and Karen Jarrett, who was uh, the ex-wife is, of Karen Angle. That is weird. And she also competed in a battle royal around that same time in TNA where she eliminated Jeff Jarrett. So they kind of rekindled that feud, but nice. uh, she didn't wasn't there very long. Oh, of course, TNA. TNA can only just do WWE feuds warmed over. Yeah, like, and well, speaking yeah. of that, you know, WWE, had, they had their, their tribute video on Raw to celebrate the life and career of China. TNA had a graphic, had the birth year wrong for her. So yes. China, that's TNA being Ugh. TNA and Ugh. putting the wrong year of birth that you can easily find online. Uh, but that is China's kayfabe history. Rest in peace, China. Like you, you, you know, you can people make jokes about you know her, her post WWE career, but the the amount of stuff that she did in basically four years mm-hmm. is insane. I, how groundbreaking she was. As somebody who watched it live and lived the Monday Night Wars, if you're too young to remember that, I can just tell you, like on WWE on Raw, it was Stone Cold, 
rock, mm-hmm. and then China was the most popular. Like she was, everybody like bought her shit. They thought she was hot. They bought her Playboy was one of the highest selling Playboys of all time. Like she was a huge, huge deal. Even even if Triple H tried to kind of diminish her in her last times there and it was it was really great to see China on WWE television again because outside of uh clips on like some documentaries or the Monday Night Wars she's never like that would be the first time footage of her had been shown on Raw in a yeah. very long time that was the kayfabe history for China we're going to take a quick break and come back with payback predictions and your crowd questions Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling will return after these messages Last week on Cape Crisis, the late Mark Grunewald had an amazing run on it. Everybody, he says he was a real great guy, but in our youth, that's also when we knew him as Grandpa Cap, which mm-hmm. is Cap who would like appear in a Spider-Man comic and say, you shouldn't do that, Spider-Man, and wag his finger at him. Like uh, he, he would call guys like, oh, son, I don't think so. America doesn't stand for this. Kind of boring. Though in Grunewald's run, he also turned Cap into a werewolf, so it wasn't all bad. <laughs> it was like their bi-weekly storyline was like, Captain America, the werewolf, and he like turned into a werewolf, but he still had the mask stuck onto his face in werewolf form. It was great. That's Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast you must listen to every Thursday or Friday. And now back to Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Welcome back to Cheap Podcast. Uh, we're going to go through Payback's predictions. I, I can't believe there's a new pay-per-view already. It seems like it just Three came up weeks. on us. The build-up to this has been better than the build-up to WrestleMania. And mm-hmm. even though I, I'm really worried that they're like, the reports are the ratings have been down mm-hmm. a lot. And I hope they're not blaming it on the good, the better stuff they've been yeah. putting on Raw, even with worse ratings. But... Uh, who cares? Like, the yeah. show's been great. The this is kind great. of a marked departure from WrestleMania, where almost every other WrestleMania, the next month's pay-per-view is rematches. There is one rematch. And let's get started with that, because it's on the pre-show. Kalisto versus Ryback for the U- United States Championship. Jeez. Ryback pinned Kalisto at some point in the last month, and now he deserves another child shot. But mm-hmm. I don't know what they do with that. And Ryback that hasn't even of... appeared on Raw. I saw this uh, a point made on the wrestling Reddit that... Mm-hmm. This Raw has maybe also felt refreshing this month of Raw because Big Show, Ryback, and Kane have not been on the show. (laughs) None of them have. And they're both just like tiresome large men. But this deserves little conversation. Mm -hmm. I think if they're doing a return match, Ryback wins it, I'm guessing, unless they they really just don't care about either the U.S. title or humiliating Ryback, then maybe they will just have him lose again. But uh, I could see Ryback winning, and then that's setting up for the return of John Cena on Memorial Day Ah. for him to uh, have Ryback as his nemesis for the U.S. title. Uh, I'm going to say that the the United States championship still stays in this weird stasis and Kalisto wins. It's like nothing. I mean, they they could do a Kalisto versus Sin Cara match. I think they could have that breakup happen. They could. Never know. Brett? Uh, I would go. I like the idea of Ryback winning, and then Cena has some kind of monster yeah. man to fight. Because I don't recall them wrestling anytime recently. Uh, they had John Cena's first title defense when he won the title in 2013. Was sure, against, but it's been yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been yeah like three years. So they wow. could do it again. It was three years. Uh, up next, 
Uh, the Miz versus Cesaro for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Ryder is uh, like nowhere to be seen at this point. He wrestled yeah. on both main event and superstars this week, so that's that's where he's yeah, at. Yeah, I joked about it on another thing, but the Ryback, uh, the Zack Ryder did the classic WWE idiot face thing of just saying like. Hey man, I should have my return match with you, and I would beat you up. But you know who's really gonna beat you up? This guy who's cooler <laughs> than me, Cesaro. Here he comes, yeah. and then he gets beat by Baron Corbin. But uh, yeah, poor Zack Ryder. But anyway, oh yeah. So my pick on this one is Cesaro. Though I am of two minds on this. Like honestly, I Miz needs to be the bad guy longer as yeah. the champ before somebody takes it from him. But I Cesaro is so hot. He's so hot right now. <laughs> uh, he's doing so great. And I love his James Bond gimmick. I love his like. I realize he calls himself the Swiss Superman, so that's him ter- ah. like tearing off his clothes like Superman would to, to become a Superman. And he, I nothing will cool him off more than losing to Miz. Like even if N- Miz can't mm. even cheat him. Like if Miz cheats him, like well, Miz cheated Cesaro yeah. or Maurice got in the way. Like no, Cesaro sucks. Then like. Mm-hmm. Only a B-level dude would lose to The Miz under any circumstances. B-level dude, Roman, even if you, like, kicked Roman in the balls and poked him in the eye and (laughs) zapped him with a stun gun, he will never lose to Miz. Mm -hmm. And I I want Cesaro to be booked that way. So you're saying Cesaro wins? Brett? Uh, I mean, I definitely hope it's Cesaro. I mean, I could see them keeping it on Miz just to have him yeah. keep being a turd. Yeah, but well, uh, it does feel like Cesaro's time. Yeah, to that end, I say Cesaro wins, but by disqualification. Ugh. Because, well, I think that th- th- this has been a really good feud. Oh, like, yeah, just they... like Miz is, he's like, again, on another, like, upswing. Like, yeah. the stuff with uh, with Maurice is good. And just, I love cocky Miz. And he has to have that title to be cocky. So, mm-hmm. like, maybe another month and, like, just gets destroyed at extreme rules. Can you believe they try to make Miz a face? Like, how stupid were they? Yeah. Yeah, when you said that, there was that speculation that it's going to result in a... uh, Man, what's his spin move called? Cesaro's? Oh, the giant swing? The big swing. The giant swing or whatever. uh, That he'll spin both of them. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. And then that could get him DQ'd because he's spinning someone who's not Ah. in a match. But So it's like this great feat of strength. Everyone's super into it, and he gets DQ'd. That would be pretty great. (laughs) All right, let's move on to Chris Jericho versus Dean Ambrose. But it should be for uh, having a show on WWE. <laughs> they're, they're a talk show because he started the Ambrose, Ambrose Asylum taking over for Jericho's highlight reel. This this isn't as hot as I thought it would be. Like, it's just kind of like they've had no, a lot of time. To party, yeah, so. they've just had like a lot of time, but I'm just not invested in it. Yeah, well, that's when you build it around competing talk shows. It's just not as interesting. Yeah, exactly. This is Goofy R- Dean. Like, yeah. I don't like him being that silly. I think Chris Jericho is being better than I've seen him in five years. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm loving Chris Jericho wrestling in his dad jeans, like, getting being mean and talking about how he's going to bury everybody on Twitter. Like, yeah. I love that stuff. His tag team stuff with Kevin Owens yeah, on good. SmackDown was so good. Canadian, <laughs> the Canadian connection there. But anyway, my theory is that they kept around Jericho for just one extra month after yeah. WrestleMania, but he's not going to stay much longer than that. He'll put over Dean so Dean gets something back. Like, I, the, the way they treat Dean, he could lose two in a row, yeah. but he really shouldn't. Yeah. Like, if he's... He could really be their number one or number two super superstar babyface. Like he can't lose twice, and not to Jericho. And also that I wondered if they kept the the real reason they had Jericho win at Mania is so his loss to Dean Ambrose this month will mm-hmm. matter more. That's that's my theory. All right, Brett, your pick. Mm, yeah, I do feel like if yeah, how can you how can you have Dean lose again? Yeah, like again. Yeah, he just lost I, famously to Brock in a yeah. boring squash. Basically, I mean, it is just it's the. 
the economy of it where like yeah Dean lost at Wrestlemania Chris Jericho won at Wrestlemania yeah. that, therefore like yeah they can switch it up and have Dean get a victory and it doesn't really affect Jericho all that much mm-hmm. uh, let's move on to Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens probably my most anticipated match uh, of this card uh, you know they have fought before in NXT but like it, it it's nice that they took they had a little bit of a slow burn with this and not like yeah. they they had he debuted at the Rumble you know they they were in the same match at WrestleMania but this is the first time they really get to go one on one in WWE and I think Henry you might have said like this is just this will probably just be the first chapter like so I, I don't better ex- be. I don't expect this to be super fulfilling but I, I you know I'm looking forward to it anyway because every time they're in the ring together it's pretty good mm-hmm. so the way I think of uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn is like it's this beautiful meal that yeah. that every place makes mm-hmm. and it's just like oh I like say beef lasagna or whatever i love this at every place i go to and now you've given the ingredients to wwe can you make this a great lasagna for me and i fear they're gonna undercook it or not mm. do it the right way and and i'll be like well this will still be good like mm. it's lasagna but i've had it better and yeah. so i just don't want that to happen so you really want lasagna <laughs> let's go get lasagna. garfield wins let's go to buca de beppo it's just three <laughs> three blocks away no so my point is just that I think the right way to do it is that Kevin Owens wins the first chapter by sneaky means. Like, Sami Zayn mm. is the bestest, goodest guy there is right now, but that means he's kind of got to be on a losing streak yeah. to, to get the crowd's, you know, love like that. He, he put, can put up a good front, Kevin Owens can screw him, and then KO can, like, it can just keep continuing, and they can do this up to SummerSlam. Like, mm. again, this is just... Mm. Again, this is just the first chapter, and Kevin Owens has got to win that first chapter. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Sami Zayn wins this one by, like, a roll-up or something, and that way, you know, Kevin Owens can just, like, brutalize the hell out of him after the match, and it'll make for a a good first chapter. Because also, the fact that they've fought fought twice before in NXT, and Sami lost both times, that, like, Sami needs a win. Like, he's... He's lost most Raws he's been on, so, like, they need to just build him up. And, you know, even if it is a fluky victory, it helps more than you get another loss to Owens. What do you think of it? I was thinking with Extreme Rules right behind this, basically, uh, it could make sense for Sammy to win, and then that kind of sends Kevin Owens over the edge Mm -hmm. to queue up some kind of stipulation match. Yeah, and then um, that also works if uh, if they make Kevin Owens the Money in the Bank guy. Mm-hmm. The, it seems like every Money in the Bank winner has to lose a lot before Money in the Bank, and then a lot after winning Money in the Bank, mm-hmm. and then they win the title. But uh, it's so stupid. Like the the audience knows now; they know how yeah. Vince McMahon books a Money in the Bank winner. Yeah. You can call it like the second Sheamus lost yeah. to the New Day at Survivor yeah. Series. Like you know, or sorry, the New Day screwed him and he yeah. lost to the fucking Usos and yeah. Sin Cara. You knew he was going to cash in. You yeah. knew it. Let's move on to the next match, the WWE Women's Championship match. Uh, Charlotte against Natalia. Charlotte will have Ric Flair in her corner. Mm-hmm. Natalia will have Bret Hart in her corner. I can't wait to see Bret Hart on WWE TV. He has been so salty about like how bad WrestleMania was yes. and just the, the, the state of WWE in general. Like, why are you bringing this guy in? He has been yeah. so shit. I think because he's just like, well, I'm still Bret Hart, and yeah. you need me at some point. Bring like, out like uh, Tyson Kidd in a neck brace or something. Mm, I, I or don't want... Jim the Anvil Nightheart, perhaps, yeah. or actual father. Yeah. Though who maybe is too busy smoking crack. Yeah. Get better, Jim. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. The Well, then again, speaking of like people who maybe shouldn't be on television – Ric Flair, yeah. maybe like he, he did. He did say uh, he told Natalia to, to kill herself. Yeah, on a SmackDown taping. I'm guessing that didn't make it the final. It got edited out. Yeah, and then and then meanwhile there were conflicting reports that he 
maybe was or wasn't drunk at an airport mm-hmm. and fell down and cut his head. Like, and, <laughs> though <laughs> that is he, his gimmick, though. That's what yeah. people are saying. Like, if he, he would, did a flare flop, like, but that's also I. I really think this, like, with dudes like him or any guys from his era. You could probably just like a pinprick to their yeah. forehead will be a gusher of blood. <laughs> like they've just made their head, their forehead to be the bloodiest thing on them. And anyway, I guess I'm saying all this just to because it's very easy. Like Charlotte yeah. wins. Like Natalia's not being Charlotte. Like this is Sasha's Banks, Sasha Banks's thing to win. And yeah. barring any like suspensions or drug arrests or anything yeah. that change things, like Sasha's taking this at SummerSlam. So uh, that that is my thought. Yeah, I agree. Charlotte wins this one. Brett? Mm, man, I'm just so tired of Charlotte winning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't make any sense for Natalia to win. I, I just don't see how yeah. or why. Because like, once this feud wraps up, it's like, well, you're you're within spinning distance of SummerSlam. So mm-hmm. like, what what do you do? Old- what, do you do? what do you do with the face that has the... Unless they push Sasha more as boss heel yeah. than maybe, but yeah, the I only, see Charlotte. The only reason I can see Charlotte, uh, Natalia winning mm-hmm. is if it is a plot on Total Divas mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then she loses it back, like even the next night on Raw or mm-hmm. something. I could see that. Which I can't believe they haven't called Total Women yet. Yeah. Up next is the tag match for number one contendership for the WWE Tag Team Championship. Uh, the Vaude Villains against Enzo Amore and Big Cass. And you can't teach that. Uh, this is kind of refreshing that, like, yeah, two NXT teams are looking good immediately. They haven't been, like, Tyler Breeze or anything. They're both... Or they're both Or sentient, yes. Ugh, that's that's so sad. But for this one, I, th- I think the Vaude Villains win because uh, putting Enzo Amore and Big Cass against the New Day this early, for one thing, they're both faces in. That's almost two... They're both teams are so over that, like, how do you make fans choose? And there's also the fact that, like, yeah, that's the thing, like, that's gonna be a SummerSlam match, to like in my estimation, it's, it's big, too big it, a money match. It's got to be on Mania or SummerSlam, pretty yeah. much. And and Enzo and Cass already they have the Dudleys in kind of a semi feud, so mm. like have the Dudleys interfere, the Vaude villains win, and then the Vaude villains get trounced by New Day. Uh, but there's it, so it, many yeah. good things to talk about. What's happened on Raw in the yeah. last month? But one of my favorite things is like. Tag teams are taking up so much space. So like, yeah, we can have we can have a tag team tournament. We can debut three new tag teams, mm-hmm. and then the new day can just kind of stand back and be like, yeah, we love all these tag teams. This yeah. is cool. This is sponsored by Bootios, yeah. and uh, and I think Kaz and Enzo. I'm with you. Kaz and Enzo don't need this. This mm-hmm. is too early for that. They need to be screwed out of the title uh, opportunity by Devon and Bubba. And also, like, I mean, it's very easy, like, just mess with Enzo. Like, mm-hmm. Enzo's the weak link. He always mm-hmm. is, and that's what's so great about that. I don't that, think, like, Big Cass has ever taken the pin in any of the losses. I've got to go back highly and check. doubt that. Now, maybe, though, then again, maybe, like, 2012 NXT yeah. or something, but... Or 2013. Anyway, no, I think uh, the Vaude Villains, meanwhile, they do need this win to be relevant. Mm-hmm. Kaz and Enzo don't. Mm-hmm. And if the... I mean, the Vaude Villains, mark my words, in three months from now, like... They'll be jobbing to the Ustos on main event. But mm-hmm. until that time yeah. <laughs> happens, they need to be set up as strong right now. So, yeah, I'm yeah. picking I'm picking Vaude Villains to win, maybe with chicanery on Kaz and Enzo. Brett? Uh, yeah, kind of the same thought process of, like, it, it seems weird for, like, for all their bluster when Enzo and Kaz come out and then lose. It could seem, like, deflating. We're like, mm-hmm. oh, so they just all talk? Great. But if they're screwed with, like, yeah, by the Dudleys, then, yeah, maybe. But, yeah, Vaude Villains, if they lose, that does also seem like they don't even have the hotness of, of a hot talker mm-hmm. to, like, make them exciting again. Even though, what's his name? Aiden English, English finally did talk. Yeah. 
which they hadn't done on Raw yet, I mm-hmm. guess. But uh, but yeah, I mean, as much as I want Enzone Cast to win, I feel like yeah, maybe the Villains should win now so that they can have a bigger match later. Yeah. Up next is Dolph Ziggler versus Baron Corbin, uh, in what I'm going to say <laughs> is going to be a kiss my leather jacket match. <laughs> uh, but this is kind of the same sort of situation that Dolph was in after last WrestleMania, where the first thing he's doing after WrestleMania is putting a feud where he's obviously going to lose. Obviously going to lose to a large man. Yeah. Though he did win that match against Sheamus. Oh yeah, but I don't even think, though he yeah. he was the kisser of the arse yeah uh, yeah this is i mean dolph ziggler i don't know why he re-upped his contract like other than to star in a movie i guess Mm -hmm. but i mean he's like not doing oh by the way did you see the wesley snipes news yeah wesley snipes production company makes a deal with wwe and is is their first film together is wesley snipes and seth rollins in an action film jesus uh but uh, that's neither here nor there yeah that ziggler is just in this loop again Mm -hmm. of like I was another dude in a ladder match at Mania, and now I'm putting over a large man, yeah. and I will get beat and beat again, and that's all he's good for. Like, he's just, he's like, I don't want to even say Coco yeah. Beware. Like, who is a, a B-level? Like Tito, Tito Santana. Yeah, he's Tito like, Santana. He's totally Tito Santana. Had had a couple of title runs yeah. just to prove that he's good enough to have a title, mm-hmm. and then he'll just be the guy who loses to Earthquake or... Mm-hmm. Uh, the Undertaker or whoever the new the yeah. new mean guy is, and so that will happen again. Baron, unless like Baron Corbin like disrespects somebody and they punish him by getting a quick roll up in, yeah. Baron Corbin's winning. I, yeah, my only hope here is that like I obviously think Baron Corbin's going to win, but I hope they at least get some good time because like Baron Corbin's matches are good when he gets the time to make them good, yeah. like his Samoa Joe match, but. Yeah, like if it's enough, if it's like his early days in NXT where he's just doing these squash matches, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to help him that much. And like, why and, repeat history? And Dolph can lead him to a good match. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, Dolph sells like the best in WWE, and yeah, he'll make a guy like Baron Corbin look great. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah. there's no reason for Corbin to lose this because again, if you're going to debut a hot new big guy with a cool finisher and not a lot of other great moves, it's like, well, if he loses, especially to someone who has habitually lost mm-hmm. for the past <laughs> year, uh, then where does that leave him? Yeah. So let's move on to the main event, Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Mm. I think the end of this match is probably not in that, that much doubt, but the bigger question is, like, who turns heel? Someone should turn heel here, I think. There's a lot yeah. of question going on right the now. The only unsatisfying resolution to this match is nobody turns heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, the entire month, you know, the the bull, not what, I don't know what they're called. They're just the, I mean, they're just Carlin, Anderson and Gallows. Yeah. Yeah, but. Anderson and Gallows have been inter- interrupting and beating up Roman Reigns multiple times and sort of have a loose uh, friendship with AJ. But AJ's mm-hmm. saying, like, don't interfere on my behalf. Who knows if this is a setup to him actually being with them or someone else. I mean, this could be it, why Finn Balor lost the title to, you know, to, to Samoa re- Joe restart the Bullet Club. Yeah, yeah. that that Samoa. Yeah, in the meantime, yeah. Finn Balor lost to Samoa Joe, which is strange that it didn't happen on NXT TV. They did film it and it aired this week, but yeah. they did it in Lowell, Massachusetts, yeah. in front of our bros who were at PAX yeah, East. Lucky. They went and saw it and got to see the title change, which was nuts. But yeah. Yeah, the theory is, so in case you don't know about the Bullet Club, uh, they were basically the NWO for New Japan, formed in 2012 by Carl Anderson and uh, Tamatanga, Bad Luck Fale, Doc Gallows, Mm -hmm. and Finn Balor, or Prince Debit, 
at the time. And when Devitt left and became Finn, the same his last show was AJ's first show. Mm-hmm. And that's when AJ went off. He became the new leader of the Bullet Club, which WWE is like lightly referencing. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you guys are friends from before. Though they're not referencing that those guys threw him out of the Bullet Club yeah. in kayfabe there. But uh, so, yeah, the, it puts so many things in question. Are they working with AJ? Are they turning AJ? Are they secretly working with Roman Reigns? And it was all a trick from the time. And they really going to pull the trigger on Roman being a bad like they guy? They fake hit him for a couple weeks. Yeah. Or could it be this third option that Finn Balor has been behind all of yeah. it, and he is ready to make his debut on the main roster, leading the Baylor Club or Balor mm-hmm. Club, whatever? And he just wanted to fuck with both of those teams, or right. he just did it to hurt AJ, and then it starts a Finn AJ feud, which yeah. would be really cool, I think. Anyway. Rowan's definitely going to win, but the real question, I'll make a double prediction that they've been teasing it, and maybe they'll change their mind, but I think they are going to turn Roman. Like, I think he's going to... It's got to happen. Like, they can't mute every main event, and it's just not going to work, so... I mean, yeah, reform the shield. That'll probably piss people off, too. Reform the shield, but with Gallows and Anderson. Let me tell you guys, if you're curious about the work of Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, like, Doc slash Luke Gallows is not Mm. great. Not he's he's a fine big guy. Carl Anderson is fucking amazing. He is really great and underrated because he always was backing up a better top guy. When he was with Prince Devitt, everybody's like, "Well, Prince Devitt's the best, not Anderson." When he's with AJ, oh, AJ's the best, not Anderson. But if you watch, Carl Anderson was in the finals of the G1 Climax in 2012 against Kazuchika Okada. Mm-hmm. It is an amazing, amazing match. And the one thing that hurts Carl in coming to WWE is that his finisher was the ace crusher yeah. or the stun gun. Yeah. And so when you're in the same company as the master of the RKO, you don't get to do that move unless you're Diamond Dallas Page. <laughs> uh, Brett, what's your pick? I don't know about Finn because I have tickets to an NXT show in Portland, and uh-huh. he's booked to be there. Ah, it's, Picard subject to change. I guess. Uh, boy, better not. Um, <laughs> as long as you get Nakamura, though. Yeah, I mean, that's good, too. Roman wins, and then some degree of something happens. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it is not yet another unsatisfying conclusion. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of unsatisfying conclusions, I'm going to say that AJ Styles wins. By disqualification, when Finn Balor uh, brings the Balor Club together and they attack AJ, Uh, and then then that sets up a good uh, reason to have a rematch at whatever Mm. at at Extreme Rules. Because I I don't want Extreme Rules; they could have a two-on-three match. Yeah, I just don't. I don't want to see Roman Reigns and AJ Styles just have one-off match. Like that's not that satisfying. So yeah, I say Styles by DQ. I'll put our predictions in a uh, a thread in the Laser Time forums. You can list yours beneath, and the winner has their choice of song closing out our next episode. Uh, but let's move on quickly to the crowd question from last week, was, which was, what was your favorite wrestling storyline? Mm. Uh, TranquilBez22 said, while the CM Punk thing was great in the latter half of 2011, as well as the breakup of The Shield, I have to go with the Bailey-Sasha feud from last year. In the words of Stefan, it had everything. Perfect matches, the women respected each other, simple storytelling. Uh, I can't believe, I can't remember the last time I cried at a wrestling match, but I did at both TakeOver Brooklyn and TakeOver Respect. Bailey yeah. has been one of my favorites since I started watching NXT in 2014, and I'm glad she got to where she is now. I have a good feeling that Vince won't fuck her over when she joins the main roster. Everybody, Everyone loves her, and her merch sells like hotcakes. She is like girl Cena. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then don't tell me that. I'll have to turn on her. <laughs> Sorry. Chinese Ninja Social Justice Warrior said... 
I'm going to have to go with the Bret Hart feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was just as WWF started to step up their game in terms of booking an interesting wrestling show, but before WWF went too far with all the Vince Russo-isms. Stone Cold had one of the best babyface turns in the history of wrestling. He's talking about WrestleMania 13. And Bret Hart turning from face to heel without really changing his character from what it had been for years was done really well. Yes, I, I agree. That was a very, very well-told story. Uh, Monty Data said, I actually recently went back and rewatched the whole Daniel Bryan Authority storyline from the beginning at SummerSlam on WWE Network. It started with Triple H pedigreeing Daniel Bryan after he won the WWE title for the first time, and then Orton cashed in. Uh, we all remember the backlash WWE faced after pulling Bryan from the Rumble, where Batista won. Then WWE rectified themselves by inserting Bryan into the title storyline as if that was the plan all along. The whole storyline that that began at SummerSlam 2013 and ended at Mania 30 with Bryan winning the WWE title in an underdog fashion came out perfectly. Really did. Even if they didn't intend for that to be the story, they did it very well. Jihon83 says... The storyline that turned The Rock from the people's champ to the corporate champion at Survivor Series 98 was amazing because it showed that, somehow, the WWF could pair a decent story with some amazingly subtle booking. The Rock's last matches and all of the failed interference carried a risk of spoiling the turn, but The Rock's charisma kept the audience enthralled until the moment it happened. I can only imagine the writer behind it was trying their hardest to to do a kayfabe version of Kaiser Soze, both between the betrayal and the... Oh, hints. And hats off, they may have come closer than anyone else will. Yeah, that's another instance of like the tri- the Triple H China thing at WrestleMania where it's like you're telling a story over multiple matches in the same night, yeah. which WWE rarely does, it, but when they do it, they usually do it pretty well. I mean, the corporate champion turn wasn't just one night. It was yeah. like a month. For a month yeah. after he broke off from the nation yeah. nomination, he started winning some big matches, yeah. and people were getting into him. They were already like they were sparking for good guy rock. They were so yeah. excited for good guy rock. And so I think that did blind them to the obviousness of the uh, potential swerve of him being uh, the corporate champion. It was great. Deadly Games. Uh, So the the new crowd question, in honor of China... Uh, she took play. She took part in so many, uh, you know, classic intergender and mixed tag matches. Mm. Uh, what is your favorite intergender and or mixed tag match? Just this week, I watched Lucha Underground. The uh, the trios champions, uh, Son of Havoc, Ivalice, and and Helico, They've they've had good matches, but Ivalice has kind of been in the background of a lot of them. And f- like yeah. for the entire first se- for most of the first se- first season, she had a broken leg and couldn't even <laughs> take part in the matches. But this week, uh, they put them in a great underdog situation because uh, Angelica wasn't in the match. She was taken out for mysterious reasons. Uh, so it was the two of them, Son of Havoc and Ivelisse. And Ivelisse, like, really held her own in that match and, like, was, like played more of a part than Son of Havoc. Mm. And, like, yeah, they were just great underdogs, and she just had some great moves. And, uh, I mean, it, it, I don't think it's my favorite, but it was just really great. And Lucha Underground this week in general was just really good. They only focused on two matches, but they both got, like, a lot of time. Like, wow. Cage versus... Uh, Johnny Mundo it felt like a Wrestlemania match and this like trios match was just it was the most insane high flying stuff possible I really yeah. wish that trio I really wish we hadn't said that because they were going to be my pick too yeah. like I just don't I don't love intergender yeah. matches I'm not saying they can't be done yeah. and I think Lucha Underground is doing the best job of creating a reality mm-hmm. where it's just like yeah women women and men are equals here 
and people are going to put over each other. But still, it's like in WWE, the mixed tag matches I've never enjoyed, yeah. and they're always just cartoonish at best. Yeah. Or like, and now Deborah's big move, her breasts <laughs> it distracted him like that. I fucking hate yeah. that stuff. But yeah, the the trios match where they won the title yeah. and then Helico dro- dove off like the balcony, like just flew. That is easily one of my favorite moments of all time, or of Lucha Underground ever. And I think uh, you know, Ivelisse is a great part of that, and she even had a pretty good match with Mil Mortes at the start of the season. And mm. yeah, I, I, I would have to go with that. They are my favorite intergender group. I would say the Sexy Star yeah. has had some good matches on there too. I, but again, like otherwise, if mixed tag matches like WWE, TNA, ROH, all those ones, I've just never. Never really enjoyed one per se. I think of a, you know, I think back to it too. We didn't even mention the TNA news that it may be sold, might be sold. Maybe ROH is buying them. We've been making, uh, we've been talking about this, that this topic of TNA almost dying on the podcast for two years. So yeah, yeah, I'll believe it when it happens. I think it's smart if ROH when when they have a gravestone with the date written wrong on it. (laughs) Uh, Brett, do you have a a pick? Uh, Not really, just because I didn't. I don't think I've seen all that many. But one thing that comes to mind is. Man, I keep forgetting the team Alexa Bliss is with. Oh, Blake and Murphy. Blake and Murphy. There were a couple of matches where like they're wrestling, and then she would like do a move off the rope or something when the ref's not looking and yeah. land on one of the guys, and then sneak back out of the ring really quick. Where it's like it's not really an intergender match, but it's like she gets to get this hit in yeah. and then sneak back out. And I, I mean, I just like her character a lot, so it's fun to see her get those hits in when she's mm-hmm. not even part of the match. By the way, I'm really happy that Murphy dyed his hair, so now I can use them monomic. The mnemonic device: Blake Blonde, Murphy Maroon. Oh. So that, that's that's how I can finally, <laughs> after months, I can finally tell them apart, which is great. Uh, but yes, please uh, put your answers to this crowd question in the comments section underneath the article. So comments for the crowd question and uh, predictions in the forum. And garbage goes in garbage can. I can't stress that enough. Uh, but that'll do it for this episode of Cheap Podcast. You guys have some plugs you'd like to go out on? I'll do some quickies here. I mean, there's... Uh, well, let me just start off by telling you guys about patreon.com slash laser time. If you enjoy our stuff and you like us doing this as a full-time job and would like us to keep getting paid, uh, your support means everything to us. We have, uh, you know, a lot of patrons but we could always use more it is not cheap to live in san francisco i'll tell you that guys and so really patreon.com slash laser time there's so many awesome extras you get just for five dollars a month also there's the weekly laser time podcast uh we've had some really good episodes what was this week's one i can't remember oh the uh, oldest toys yeah. in the toy store that was really great a great accompanying article i do believe rick flair is in there I yes think. yeah woo. And, <laughs> woo uh and also there's talking simpsons the weekly exploration of every episode of the simpsons one episode at a time we just did like father like clown where we explored crusty's jewish heritage uh brett 30 20 10 what's been going on with that yeah so every week uh, we look back at what happened 30 years ago 20 years ago and 10 years ago which uh, includes 86 96 and 06 and the episode that posted this week for example in 1986 this week uh chernobyl exploded oh, wow so that happened Jeez. uh and then in 2006, man, Mission Impossible 3 came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just go about looking at what happened that week, and occasionally wrestling comes up, yeah. uh, much to the chagrin of half the audience, apparently. Yeah, well, and one of the hosts, Diana, like, she groans every time we talk wrestling. Yeah, I can't believe there's never been a wrestler named Chernobyl. But anyway, that'll do it for this episode of Cheap Popcast. Uh, we'll be back soon with more wrestling chatter. Bye. Just-